At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. What is the word, everybody? Welcome to Mean Age Daydream. I am Brian McWilliams your favorite person that you have probably never met in person. But still, I'm here speaking to you, the words pouring out of my mouth like the poet writing on a page. I uh, hope everybody had a great last week. I want to remind you guys that there's some very important things you could do to support our show here, the Lions of Liberty Network and Mean Age Daydream. Of course, first and foremost, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, where I post my good morning fuckhead daily rants. I post our secrets, lies, and cover-ups bonus content there, shows talking about the cover-ups of the government, mysteries of the universe, etc. And of course, do nothing, man, the libertarian superhero, uh, a classic that is only available for the first month uh, for our patrons. So go patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. And I want to say from the bottom of my heart, anybody who was a patron and uh, and has since not become a patron any longer, I despise you. So let's move on into the show. I, uh, I think it's an incredible day today because... This morning has been a wonderful exercise in going through the news. And this, this episode is going to be a little bit of potpourri. Uh, I've uh, just had a, a limited amount of time. Again, still having a very rough time with the uh, the new kiddo here. So I'm just uh, living my life exhausted and, and frustrated for the most part. But still, some fun things to talk about. And the first and foremost is that going through the news cycle today, I saw two of just the most delightful examples of leftist hypocrisy. Now, I am on record saying that typically most times people that are on the left that are the loudest talking about how they're not racist, the people that have the stupid sign in their fucking yard that says every lie or or, black lives matter, uh, that we believe in the science, that water is life and all this other shit. They are always the people that turn out to be the most closetedly bigoted the most intolerant, the most anti-science. And we've seen this play out during COVID. We're seeing it now. (laughs) We're seeing it now play out in the LA City Council. And it ain't even, uh, I'd say, equally, equally entertaining scenario wherein the military-industrial complex and its uh, its pretend wokeism, as you'll recall, that the military-industrial complex as well as the spine complex was making all these exercises to appeal to the woke left, changing their uh, their definitions, having all these woke seminars, etc. Right, recruitment videos targeting the woke left. Well, they're coming head to head with the trans movement in a, uh, a hilarious way. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to talk about this primary story and what I have called the uh, leftist hypocrisy on parade, and that happens right here 
in Los Angeles. Lovely, sunny, no rain, no rain ever Los Angeles. And it doesn't come from, let's say, some Republican that's running, you know, this, this latest example I'm give you of racist ideology and racist comments doesn't come from anybody on the right. It doesn't even come from anybody on the middle. Doesn't come from anybody that's uh, that's even quasi-centristy lefty. No, no, no. News has come out about a recording taken without the, uh, the knowledge of the people being recorded. Now, this is in a meeting, so there's not like there's a one-on-one conversation where this is going to break any laws, but several of the L.A. City Council, including the L.A. City Council president, which is a very powerful position, Nori Martinez, and she is a Latina woman, uh, not a Latinx, though, remember, not Latinx, Latina. But a Latina woman, they made a big deal about how this Latina woman was the first ever L.A. City Council president. Wow, we gosh dang, isn't that great? So she's recorded her, this other uh, head of the L.A. Federation Union, like the biggest union in Los Angeles, another city councilman, Hispanic city councilman named, named uh, Gil something or other, and uh, another one named like, you know, another white guy named, you know, Kevin something. I don't really give a shit about most of their names. The, pre- the, the council president is the most important one. But they're sitting around in a meeting talking about another councilman, Mike Bonin, who is, by the way, a noted piece of leftist shit. I will say that. He has had the worst policies. He is uh, at least partially to blame for the horrible homeless situation, which overran Venice, which forced a lot of friends of mine to move out of their environment. I mean, we moved to where I live now, which is about five miles away from Culver City, where we used to live. And part of that was that, you know, we had the opportunity to buy a house in a nice neighborhood, which we did, but also that the area we lived in was getting overrun with homeless. Every underpass, people literally going to their houses, going to their apartments and having the the spot they're supposed to be able to park in filled with homeless people. Yep. You go to work, you come home, homeless people sitting in there. Good luck getting them out. That's Mike Bonin's fault. He's a piece of shit. He also is partially, well, I say partially, 50% involved in the abysmally stupid road diet, which was created by leftists to stop people from driving cars by intentionally creating traffic jams. That is what the road diet is and means. It tries to force people into riding bicycles, taking away lanes of major streets, major thoroughfares. It's the only place they ever put these road diets in, major thoroughfares, causing traffic jams and making them into giant stupid bike lanes. How many people switched to using bikes? Hardly anybody, almost nobody. Why? Because LA is a spread out city. And LA is not the only one to do this. They got the idea from some other idiot leftist city too. But Bonin's responsible for that. That being said, he apparently has a black son. Um, I'm not sure if this is from, you know, he's married to uh, to a black woman or an adopted situation. I just don't know. All I know is that he has a black son and that these council people, right? The first Latina, a Hispanic man, a white dude and the head of the largest federation in the uh, union federation in Los Angeles, who is also a Hispanic guy. They're sitting around and they called Mike Bonin's black son a monkey. And apparently we're talking shit because they hate Mike Bonin. Again, justified to hate Mike Bonin. But deciding to call his son a monkey smacks a little bit of racism, doesn't it? Doesn't it mm, kind of have the the most Racial undertones? I mean, we're going way school, way back into the old school racism machine, right? When you're starting to call black people monkeys? Wow. But yet, hypocrisy on, on parade here. These people who have 
said that they stand with Black Lives Matter, I bet you can't find one of their profiles that didn't have a black square to unite with Black Lives Matter during the protest when L.A. City was being burned down during the protest. And these people proudly said that they stand with Black Lives Matter and that, you know, tough titties to anybody who was a store owner or a private property uh, believer, you know, they stood with Black Lives Matter only to turn around and use the most old school racial terminology to deride a black person. You can't write better satire. You just can't do it. But this is what it's always like. It's always these people who are most publicly facing, saying that they are believers in equality and equity and that they would never be racist. Then, of course, intolerant, saying the most cruel, horrible things. And this is my experience with people that are on the left, right? It's it's not enough to simply disagree with somebody. When they disagree with you, there is nothing they will not say. There is nothing they will not do to hurt you. There is no blow too low. We've seen this with deplatforming. We've seen this with calling uh, cops that stood and, and tried to stop people from burning down the businesses during Black Lives Matter rights, calling them the N-word. We see this constantly calling any black person that doesn't kowtow to the Democratic National Party line, Uncle Toms and Coons. You see it all the time. You see blatant racism all the time. And I'd say for me, far more than you see it from people that are like I am in the middle or anarchist as I am or on the right. I'm sorry. Everything else is simply a misrepresentation of the way in which the world is right now. And we're seeing it on parade people. We're seeing it. It's more on, it's more display now that you see uh bare ass cheeks at the pride parade, right? But it gets even better. Speaking of alternate sexual lifestyles. Well, how about the Biden administration after all the hoopla about how everybody's equal and how we believe in surgery and how that, you know, military members should have their surgeries to become into a, what do they want to be, a lady to a man or a man to a lady, right? How the U.S. government is going to pay for that, i.e. the taxpayers are going to pay for that for anybody that wants to be in the military. Well, guess what? You get your gender reassignment surgery, yada, yada. But what's so funny is that Biden went out of his way to remind transsexual males, males that are transitioning to female, well, you need to sign up for the draft because you are still a dude. <laughs> is that is that the most satisfying example? Number one of how much they know that this is all horseshit, right? And also that they have their priorities straight as far as they're concerned. That priority is the military complex. That priority is making sure that they get enough warm bodies to send all over the globe to keep our global American hegemony going and that we have enough warm bodies to go and fuck up other countries that have nothing to do with our basic domestic interests, but are very, very useful for keeping the complex going, for keeping their lobbyists happy, for keeping the missiles being put out there, for keeping us in oil and everything else. Of course, Seems like we're not in oil anymore since the prices of oil have skyrocketed as of late. But isn't it fascinating that as much as Biden has talked about the trans movement, he's put in, you know, Rachel, what's her face, the health and human services secretary that is a biological man now identifying as a woman. Well, when it comes down to brass balls, guess what? You still have to draft you have to sign up for the selective service and you are expected to show up because guess what? Your genes say that you're a dude and America needs dudes to die for blood and oil and everything else for special interest groups. You got to love it, man. 
<laughs> you gotta love it. Can we have a military transsexual parade now? You know, like <laughs> it's like the opposite of the old days where you had to say, you know, you keep your, your sexual identity quiet. Now it's just all the transsexuals have their own battalion. And you know, I'm trying to think, what did the name of it be? The, uh, the new boob battalion, you know, the, the NBB. We can have the new boob battalion out there parading around because guess what? You have to sign up. You got to get drafted because you're a dude. <sighs> Satisfyingly hilarious, everybody. It's satisfyingly hilarious to see the wokeism breakdown, to see the hypocrisy, to see where things actually lie when the rubber, rubber uh, meets the road. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, what else do we want to talk about here? Um, I want to jump over to, oh, just, uh, by the way, a recent experience I had. Um, <laughs> so speaking of LA, since we're talking about the LA City Council. So California, as you know, I despise Gavin Newsom. Um, he is the most nepotistically gifted dickhead uh, I've ever seen. He is an absolute imbecile. If you want to hear me and, uh, and Tyler Youngke, Go break down uh, the latest interview, or not the latest, sorry, an old interview he did with, with uh, Adam Carolla before he was governor. We break that down over on the uh, the pod review. Very funny stuff. But Newsom is trying to tackle, in his own special little way, raising gas prices, right? And California's gas prices, everybody else's have gone down. Ours continued to shoot up. Right now, my local, local gas station, the cheapest I can find, about $6 a gallon. Right, that's obscene. I've talked about this before, ad nauseum on who this actually impacts, how it completely screws over the working class more than anybody else. These elites that would argue for high taxes and that they'll take it on the chin for Ukraine, these, these Stephen Colbert's of the world, right? Well, it impacts the lower classes, the actual people that do the work, that bring, that they're, bring their food and create their goods and watch their children. But Gavin Newsom, he's railing against high gas prices and blaming who? Come on, kids, play along at home. Yes, you guessed it, the oil companies. Because leftists' only recourse is to ever blame the private companies, even though those companies are getting subsidized. But they always blame private industry, naming that this is all corporate greed. Never mind that these companies could have raised the prices if that was the only impetus before. Never mind that, yes, you're going to make more profits as a company dealing in a good that is under extreme duress as far as a supply standpoint. And yes, that is going to lead to more profits as it always has been, as it always will. But Gavin Newsom doesn't want to acknowledge that, nor does he want to acknowledge the fact that California's regulations make it exceptionally more expensive for the gasoline here. Not only to create it, to refine it, all the regulations they put into place here. And we do have big refineries. I live up the street from one. Chevron's are refineries right up the street. And yet Chevron gas is still as expensive or more expensive than many others that are not based in, a, in, in El Segundo, four fucking miles away from me. Regulations, right? Emissions regulations and regulations on refineries, regulations on how to bring it in, where you can put it in. All this shit adds up. Not only that, but California also has, on top of the federal gas tax, the highest gas tax in the country. It's like 50%. Or no, I'm sorry, not 50%. It's like 50 cents a gallon. So instead of saying, well, what can I do, right? California's got this budget surplus. So instead of, let's say, adding on another tax, which he's trying to do for the gas companies, which, by the way, is simply going to be passed along to us, the consumer, because that's the way it works for anybody that's not an economic illiterate. Well, instead of putting a tax on it like Gavin Newsom wants to do, why doesn't he eliminate California's tax on consumers in the form of the gas tax? 
Seems like it would bring it down 50 cents at the pump immediately, considering we have a budget surplus that is, by the way, nothing to do with Gavin Newsom and everything to do with the fact that California is located in one of the longest states right along the ocean, has some of the busiest ports in the world, and of course has massive land ownings to have agriculture. Well, that leads to your budget surpluses. But I digress. He could solve this at least to 50 cents immediately. But instead, he's talking about measures that are going to make it more expensive, more difficult to get gasoline. And, and by the way, disincentivizing people in California that are, are gas producers from doing business in California. Unbelievably fucking stupid. But I got off on too much for tangent there. Going back to the other issue we have here with Gavin Newsom. California's homeless problem. I talked about Mike Bonin in Venice. I talked about uh, California, how California has basically said, we welcome all the homeless. Come on, give us more. We have like 60,000, 70,000 homeless people in California, by the way. Other states ship them in, knowing that we have a homeless industrial complex. It's like $400, $500 million per city. So this is all the incentive not to solve the problem, by the way, and very little oversight. It's basically a slush fund for fucking friends and family of government elites. Proven, by the way. There was a charity, charity, homeless charity that they gave something like $500,000 to. No tracking, no idea. That's one that actually got flagged, shockingly, because they did so little that they had to investigate it. Half a million dollars did absolutely nothing. None of this solves the problem of homelessness. And I'm going to do an episode. I did one before on the libertarian anarchist solution to homelessness. I'm going to do an updated version of that so you can share it with your friends and family. But I'm trying to get rid of homeless people now that are so hard to move, right? They're on an on-ramp to the freeway right by my house, about a half mile away from me, right? I don't need homeless people smoking meth, cracking out, doing, you know, walking up, going through my fucking trash all the time in the house where I live with my child and my baby and my wife. I prefer that they not be right up the street in an area wherein they can start fires, wherein they can, you know, again, walk down my street clearly out of their fucking minds, doesn't happen all the time, happens enough. So I want to move them out. But guess what? Because California is so welcoming to the homeless, well, they're trying to get rid of all the public camping laws, right? LA County, same thing. Let's get rid of all the public camping laws. Now you can set up camp anywhere. What ends up happening? Oh, that's right. Homeless people set up camps in every park, on every under ramp, or under uh, every uh, underpass. They set it up on the fucking freeway on ramp because there's a little patch of grass, but a few trees, and now there's three homeless people living on that freeway on-ramp in that little patch of grass, amassing tons of trash, shitting in buckets, and again, just being a general nuisance. So I can't get him out of there. I call my local cops. Sorry, not our jurisdiction. It's on an area that's not incorporated. Great. I call the sheriff's department because usually they, like sheriff's department polices my area, which is great because the sheriffs have actually been good about the homeless people, moving them along. And Hawthorne has its own city. So we're not part of LA City, which means that we don't have to obey their stupid laws. So Hawthorne Police Department does a good job of moving them along. No, you cannot set up a tent city here. Thank you. Keep moving. Guess what? Because this property falls under California's land because it's part of the highway system. I can't do shit to move them. I'll give a message with the California Highway Patrol and Caltrans. They actually get back to me. I was shocked by that. But the woman's frustration is audible. If I was smart, I would have pulled up the voicemail. But essentially what she says, she goes, look, 
we sent over a crew with Caltrans to clean up the area. Um, that's the most we can do right now because getting getting these people to move is a whole process. We know they're there, but it's really difficult to move them. She goes, we are basically completely tied as far as our hands are going, as far as cr- any criminal proceedings, bringing them up for public camping, bringing them up for fires, bringing them up for drug use, bringing them up for uh, public indecency, for shitting in public, whatever the, whatever the myriad of offenses, some of which I might agree with, so much I might not, that they've been violating. Well, guess what? Those are all waived because these people have more rights than I do. And God forbid I go and try to do something about it because then I'll get arrested and they'll keep being there. But now my family doesn't have me around to help out or to protect them should one of these fucking people decide to come down from their little nest and bash my windows in or try to steal some shit off my fucking porch. Which, by the way, I'm guy. literally I'm sitting there signing documents and a homeless man comes and sits on my fucking front porch right next to a baby stroller that was out there, which he was clearly going to steal. Until I opened the door and said, what the fuck are you doing out? Get the fuck off my property. So he goes, oh, this is resting. No, you weren't. You're going to steal my fucking stroller right here. That's why you stopped. So that was a personal experience I'll share with you guys. The good news is, I think people are getting sick of it. I don't know. We'll see what happens come November. We'll see what happens in a lot of these referendums. But I think that People are finally getting fed up with this. I think people are seeing a lot of the writing on the wall. And this will lead us into the next topic, which is PayPal. Now, the Washington Post wants to report on this PayPal story as though only people on the right were upset when PayPal pushed out a new user agreement, which basically said that they can take your money up to $2,500 per infraction for quote unquote misinformation or spreading hate or bigotry. Now, actually, the second part I'll get into in a minute because that still exists. But this specific one said for spreading misinformation and PayPal said that they could, as a private company, take not only your existing money, but also, you know, up to $2,500 in, I guess, negative funds. So anything else that would be put into that account. They said that they could do this because they had to deal with the administrative costs of taking down your content if they deemed it. If they deemed it, and they, of course, could mean PayPal's internal assessors. This could mean the government telling them what is or is not acceptable, because we know that they work with big government all the time. We know that Facebook and Twitter have worked with big government taking their directives. We had Mark Zuckerberg basically laying it out bare that they took directives from the U.S. government as far as censoring information on COVID, censoring information on her back, uh, laptop. So who's PayPal exactly talking to to discover what's misinformation that you deserve to be fined $2,500 for that they just keep for administrative costs? Well, who fucking knows? But it certainly is a disturbing and terrifying trend. And to say that the administrative costs $2,500, really? It costs you that much to pull some content down? Aren't you constantly looking at content anyway as just part of your daily function? But they got a lot of backlash, right? As the Washington Post will tell you, from conservatives, from right-wingers, because only right-wingers would be disgusted by this, right? No. PayPal's former president came out and said that he was disgusted with the actions taken by a company that he once loved. He said, this is blatant censorship. This is absolutely un-American. This is, there's no way a private company can be able to take that money from somebody for something that is so amorphous as misinformation. Several others in the tech industry spoke out about this as well. Obviously, you had senators speak out about this uh, and, and other, other dominant features or other dominant players within the space. So what does PayPal do? Well, they put out the most ridiculous excuse I've ever seen. They said that their update was in error. Whoops. Whoops, news. We didn't mean to send that out to you guys. <laughs> 
So they take it out. Now, if you believe that, you're dumb enough to think that the COVID Vs still do anything for you. Most people, I'm sure, see through this. And PayPal, I'm sure, has had a ton of accounts canceled. I'm canceling my accounts. I'll never use PayPal again as long as I live. Uh, because that's the thing is, to believe that this was an error defies logic to the extent where I don't think anyone, well, again, maybe, maybe the same people that have the signs in their yards can believe it. But for the common person, as dumb as the common person is, there's no way you have something drafted up like this that's a legal document that goes through an army of lawyers up to the CEO level, right? Because nothing, something like that where you're stealing $2,500 from people doesn't go through without the CEO knowing about it. So you have an army of lawyers and the top brass of the company clearly aware of this policy, even if it was sent out narrow, even if they were just discussing it. That's enough of a red flag to make you say never again. Right? Even if they didn't mean to send that out, why'd you even draft it? That is batshit. Why did you even draft it in the first place then? Whose idea was it? Who pressured you into it? And now, like I said, they rescinded that policy, but there's another policy that exists as well. And that's on general intolerance that's already written in. And to the same extent, they can look to use that to try to find you to do whatever. So there's no point. Delete your PayPal now. If you have a PayPal account, get rid of it. You don't need to be, you don't need to be docked for misinformation and find money from this private company. Then good luck getting it back. You have to take them to court, which fine. You could do it. The problem is it's probably going to be more money to take them to court than it is to simply eat the fine. And that's probably what they're banking on. Now, this also basically bleeds into a larger problem in tech. And you have to wonder now, okay, so they're doing this, right? They've got this misinformation fine. This ties in very specifically to digital back currencies and the problem with digital back currencies. PayPal was essentially trying to become a currency on its own right, right? It's a way of paying people. It's now granted it's using US dollars or whatever currency uses your local currency. But the danger lurks therein. If they have access to your account, they can pull money out, they can find it, and then good luck getting it back. Digital backed currencies for countries are the same thing. Country backed digital currencies. And that was the promise of them. This is why Biden wants to sign in a country-backed digital currency by like December, which has to be stopped. We have to say to our senators, fuck this. This can't be allowed. There's no way in hell you should accept Joe Biden signing this. Has to be rescinded. Has to be overturned, right? Let's pray that, and again, I don't, I don't necessarily have faith in Republicans having uh, the balls to stand up about country-backed digital currencies either, because I don't believe that they, number one, have enough wherewithal to know what they're getting into. And probably two, they're as authoritarian as anybody else. We've seen that with Ted Cruz stumping around. Ted Cruz who pretends to be pro-freedom, but then still votes for things like the NDAA, right? Still votes for all of the spying apparatus to stay into place and be able to access our documents through the FBI to still have these FISA courts. Ted Cruz is no saint. That's my point. And Ted Cruz is one of the most dominant faces in the Republican Party right now. But with these country-backed currencies, well, the warning's on the wall. It's that you can now have, if your currency is fully digitized, the government can basically turn on that faucet for whatever reason they want. We talk about the war on climate. We talk about the war on bigotry. We talk about the war on misinformation. Well, if we're at war, then they're going to go and look at your bank account. They're going to say, okay, well, we're in a war on climate. So let me turn off your access to gasoline. You're now rationed. You can only buy four gallons of gasoline per week. Sorry. We just turned your money off. You have no alternative. You can't go pay cash. You don't think alternative would be to go try to barter in person with somebody. And maybe that's where we're going. 
We may legitimately be forced by these authoritarians, these technocratic authoritarian governments into becoming a barter society again, or of course, resorting to physical gold and silver. Now, the U.S. government had made physical gold and silver coins illegal for this exact reason, because they want to control the currency and control the value of it. But you've seen states, I think Arizona's got a, a provision in place where you can now use gold and silver for currency again. I think two or three others have followed suit. Maybe Texas is one of them. We're going to be forced into this type of society once again, because when you have your currency manipulated, when you've got the ability of the government to not only devalue it by printing trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in a very short period, and then lending it to people, of course, who are friends and family to that government, the biggest corporations, the biggest banks, etc. Well, that's one issue. But then when they can in turn, turn your ability to buy goods and services off at a whim, when they can just take money out of your account, which of course we see with the IRS, well, now you've got yourself a real problem. Now you see the poison that is a country-backed digital currency and how this is playing out in the broader technological sphere. PayPal is the canary in the coal mine. Thank you, PayPal, for being so fucking stupid. Thank you, PayPal, I'll say it again, for being so fucking stupid because you have lit the way. You have showed people that there is a dangerous monster lurking down that cave and it's just waiting to fucking flip the switch and snap your neck. So... Thank you, PayPal. Now, by extension, also, let's talk about a little bit of ESG, right? How these ESG scores, the environmental and the sustainability and the justice and all this other bullshit they're trying to build in to our function, to our the way in which all companies have to operate, have to report to the federal government also ties into this, right? Because now you have these companies like PayPal, like, I don't know, let's see, if, let's see what Venmo does. Like, uh, I don't even know who else is involved with the cash app. I have to figure out exactly. I should have done this before this episode to see whose who's user agreements do I agree with. I think cash app probably now is the most, the most protected I know of or the most non-politicized, I should say. But are these companies, because of these ESG scores, because of the way in which they're working with the government, are they now buying into this misinformation control because they want to pump up their justice score? They want to pump up the way in which they can now present themselves to get government funding or be invested in by these hedge funds that have to kowtow to ESG environments to try to get ahead, to try to maintain their value or try to get ahead with uh, with corporate money. Maybe so. I mean, I have to wonder if that's part of why this is happening, because otherwise it just seems like an insane step to take. I know most tech companies are very left leaning. I know their employees are. Look at the shit fest that's going on because Elon Musk has finally decided he's going to buy Twitter. The people are having complete meltdowns at work there. They're saying they're betrayed. They're saying that there's going to be mass people leaving. Good. I saw a nice little leaked uh, text chain. It was like an email, or I'm sorry, a text report between Elon Musk and the uh, the guy that they think is going to take over Twitter. Basically saying, look, Elon, we're looking at this many people we're, we're thinking are probably going to leave. Elon Musk says, good, get the fuck out. We have way too many employees anyway, which he's right about. So good. Let them go. Let them walk. Go find more jobs. Go, go see how the go see how the workplace environment treats you guys. Go maybe get a job at Denny's so I can get sit at that, at that table. Don't have to wait two hours because they're finally get some servers in there. But it's very interesting, right? It's very very interesting the timing of this, where all of these things seem to be coming to a head, and at a time when we have such blatant misinformation coming out from the government, from government entities, right about 
COVID, about the way our inflation is proceeding, about global supply chains, about the war in Ukraine, about supply chains. All of these things are tied in together and people are seeing the brunt. They're feeling the brunt of them at home in a physical manner. And that's the key. Because as much as people want to have this cognitive dissonance between what they're being told by government, I talked about this in the family episode about how libertarianism and anarchism is the best way forward for the family. You have people that have been so brainwashed by government that have this cognitive dissonance now because everything they're being told is very clearly not accurate in their reality. And the question is, how strong are those blinders? And I do think that there's, I think there's no blinders strong enough anymore. Okay. Um, I want to talk about this too. We're talking about Twitter, we're talking about censorship from the technology corporations. And by the way, if you're listening to this, please go subscribe to our Rumble channel. I just published, uh, I just shared that in the uh, the show notes. We once again are taken down off YouTube for a strike against misinformation on a, oh no, and that's another question, by the way. Again, you know, YouTube, they do super chats. Do they accrue money in a YouTube account for you? We're not allowed to do super chats <laughs> because we've been shadow banned and we always have a strike against our channel and have for the last five years. Every time they clear a strike, they give us a new one. Literally, this is how it works. We can never get monetized. We can never, and this has been there, like I said, four years, because every time they take a strike off, they find something else in some months or years old episode that they say is misinformation, and they give us another strike. It is clearly an exercise in shadow banning. It's clearly an exercise in censoring our speech on the Lions of Liberty Network channel. So go to Rumble. Please subscribe. Go to Odyssey. Please subscribe because that's where you're going to find our content for the next 10 days exclusively until YouTube takes a strike away and we can post again. And I'm sure they'll slap another one on us very soon. Also, you can subscribe to the Mean Age Daydream individual feed on YouTube. Also in the show notes. Please do both, guys. Really appreciate it. So getting back to the censorship, though. So Twitter, even though it's just been bought by Elon Musk again. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if he, we'll see if Elon Musk buys it a third time and nothing happens. They censored Florida State Surgeon General. Let me find this guy's name real quick. Uh, Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Ladapo. Ladapo? Yeah. Who had basically shared a report that Florida did. And this is, again, the Surgeon General from one of the largest states in the union. He has put out a report showcasing what we already know. Namely, that the COVID Vs have given a disproportionately an extreme amount of heart risk and ill side effects, etc., to men 40 years and under. They did the study. They put it out. This guy's a doctor. He is a surgeon general of a major state. And yet, Twitter pulled it down. So, <laughs> there was quite a bit of outcry. Because this is clearly Twitter censorship going one way and one way only, and that is against science. If you have a paper that is providing a documented difference in what a general scientific narrative is, it doesn't mean that it's misinformation. It means the scientific process is working, wherein you test and you test and you test and you share results, and then somebody's free to take those results and take them down and tear them apart and prove that they're inaccurate. But if they can't, well, guess what? Those results can stand. And right now, we're seeing those results stand. We're seeing it in shared documents. We're seeing it in shared information that's coming out even on the CDC's own website about these impacts of COVID Vs. I'm not going to say the word because, again, I know what happens. 
And I don't want it when we do publish this episode on YouTube, I don't want months from now to get another strike against it. That's why I'm just going to call them the V's. So Twitter takes it down. This is cited by people as clear indication of their censorship and magically gets put back up. Now, is this because Elon Musk is coming in? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It might just simply be the winds of change are blowing. PayPal was pressured into reversing their course because of Twitter mobs getting furious about the policy because people canceling their their services. Twitter, sad to say it, may be the great defender of liberty and freedom at this point in time because it is the most instantaneous call and response. It is the most instantaneous example of, of immediate feedback to a public policy, to a corporate policy, to an injustice, right? Now, that's not to say it's perfect, because as we know, Twitter's got its own algorithms to poison the well and push up things that it might find more palatable. TBD, what Elon Musk does with that, whether or not he gets rid of all the algorithms or whether or not he pushes more libertarian algorithms, I don't know. But we're certainly seeing the power of that platform, and I certainly feel a fuck of a lot better that it's in Elon Musk's hands, I mean, his hands with 15 different baby uh, baby genetics on them. God damn, Elon Musk, stop fucking. Stop making kids. He's making kids just with, with like, he's just impregnating women, not even having sex with them anymore. He's just like, you, you, you work with me. You want to have a few kids? You want to have a few musks? <laughs> Brush off the musks. But thank God, at least this, this massive platform that has the potential to reverse course on all these policies is going to be in the hands of somebody who, at least on the surface, is committed to free speech. That makes me feel pretty good about it. But it's also a sickening example of the power of technology companies and corporations. And it makes you wonder just how much has been censored in the past. How much has been suppressed by Facebook, by Twitter, that is rejecting the ultra-woke policies of the left, rejecting corporate oversteps, rejecting government narratives, that they have simply said, no. We're not going to allow that to get out there. We're not going to cover it. We're not going to let it trend. We're not going to let it be seen. Twitter, notably, of course, had suspended the New York Post over the Hunter lap, uh, Biden laptop. That's one we know about. How many don't we know about? How many users with, you know, 15,000? How many people like me? You know, you got several thousand followers. But if a tweet of mine doesn't get 5,000 likes on it, well, I don't think too much about it, do I? Oh, certainly thinking about it now. So I am curious to see how things are going to change with Mr. Musk in charge. Let's see. What else, guys? Oh, another fun thing. U.S. national debt blew past $31 trillion. Great. Very excited about that. Let's see if anybody notices when uh, when their bank accounts are <laughs> completely worthless. And then tying into this, I, I couldn't help but take notice of this little story. So the World Bank has said that the goal of ending extreme poverty by 2030 is now out of reach, according to the World Bank report. They're blaming the effects of the COVID pandemic and war in Ukraine. Well, yeah, those are probably good things to blame. Probably pretty good things to blame. Now, who's to blame for these COVID pandemic outpourings of uh, supply chain issues, of monetary issues, of liberty or liberty issues, of uh, gasoline, of you know, everything else. Well, I mean, obviously, world governments are to blame for that, including the World Bank. 
people that print money out of nothing, people that are controlling the monetary supply, that are propping up uh, systems that should not be propped up, that are devaluing currencies, that are enabling people to stay home rather than go to work during the quote unquote pandemic. Well, again, the World Bank, the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, International Monetary Fund, these are all the culprits that are responsible for the COVID pandemic. Deciding to shut down economies, deciding to cut down, shut down uh, supply chain lines and pay people not to work. Well, yeah, that's going to stay, uh, that's going to stand in the way pretty strongly of ending global poverty because the people that are not able to sit at home and work and just get paid out, well, they're just going to starve. And certain countries that were providers of food, of hardware, of, uh, you know, whatever it might be as far as manufacturing costs and needs. Well, these people just had to simply go deeper into poverty because they don't have people sending them massive checks for $3,000 a month to sit on their fucking asses and play Quake. No, they're putting deeper poverty. And then when we come back around to it and everybody wants to get back to things, well, guess what? It's not work. It doesn't work that easily. You can't get the machine up and running again. You still have clogged up lanes. You still have people not going back to work because they have accrued enough money not to man the ports, not to man the, the loaders, not to go on the ships, not to do everything, you know, everything X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately for these poorer nations and poorer people, well, they're not the ones that are creating the ships. They're not the ones that are creating the companies that are buying their products. So they just have product sitting around or because it's stockpiled, because there's nowhere for it to go, because the shipping destinations are all backed up. Well, these people, again, have nothing to make, nothing to do, just get to sit around and starve. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The global poverty is taking a hit. Not only that, but of course, let's not forget that the devaluation of people's currency, the accelerating cost of food, of energy, the fact that half of fucking Europe is going to be starving to death and freezing to death. Well, again, whose fault is that? Mm, supply chains, money printing, and this wonderful war in Ukraine, which we've printed up trillions of dollars for on a worldwide basis, right? To prop up the Ukraine, to allow them to continue fighting this war, even though they desperately need Russia's gas and that the world desperately needs fertilizer that Ukraine and Russia produce. So again, who's to blame for this? I would say probably the world community again, this, this global cadre of world elites, NATO and all the banks that prop them up. Well, yeah, you guys are to blame. So good job putting out the report, blaming COVID and the COVID pandemic, which you essentially enabled to become what it was and the war in Ukraine, which you essentially enabled to become what it is. So high fives all around. All right, guys, that's going to do it. We're done here for today's show on Mean Age Daydream. I will be uh, chatting. Let's see. What's, what am I going to deck next week? I don't even remember. But I am going to be talking to some people coming up. Uh, Lou Perez, the great Lou Perez, is going to be coming on uh, early November. I'm going to be talking to Jeff Deist as well, guys, in November. So look forward to that. And uh, I swear to God, I'm talking to somebody. I'll come in the next couple of weeks, but I just can't remember who it is. <laughs> That's what happens when, you, when you're very sleep deprived. All right, guys, for me, Brian McWilliams from Mean Age Daydream and the Lions of Liberty Network. I want to remind you, please share the show, subscribe to all of our feeds. Please do support us on Rumble, on Odyssey, since YouTube keeps fucking us in the butt. And Patreon is the best way if you want to support our show in real terms. We could really use more patrons for all of our bonus content. We put out more bonus content than any show out there, period, hands down. So you can get in as little as five bucks a month. But of course, we'd love if you gave more. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or Lions of Liberty dot locals. All right, guys. That's it from me. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.